You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad. And amateur drama and community drama has been a feature of Irish life, not just recently, but for, I suppose it's fair to say, for hundreds of years, because Irish life is reflected in drama. And the playwright in Ireland has been somebody who has been a part of the Irish artistic world for many, many years. And um, we can go back, and there are huge names in Sean O'Casey and in um, uh, Yeats, or not Yeats, but uh, Samuel Beckett and uh, John B. Keane and uh, Brian Friel and many, many more. Well, Jimmy Carey is from Mullingar in that area, a little area outside of between Mullingar and Longford, and has been writing plays. He wrote his first one-act play in 1997, Looking for Love, and uh, has been writing, moved on to his first three-act in 2000. And in 2018, one of his plays, Mammy's Boy, was staged in Chicago by the Gaelic Park Players and then was brought to Calgary, uh, where the Acting Irish International Theatre Festival was taking place. And he has a new, or his current, three-act play uh, is about to open in PEI with the uh, Benevolent Society down there. And uh, we're going to hear about that from Jimmy. Jimmy, thanks a million for coming along and having a chat. Thanks for wanting to talk to me, Austin. It's lovely to talk to you. And I deliberately didn't mention the, the name of the one that we're going to talk about as well. But a little bit of the background. You were born, you're, um, what, you're coming on, you're not just... Uh, uh, I'm you're, 61, uh, 60, so I was born 61, in 1958. 58. And, and uh, uh, my father died when I was seven, and I was an only child. And um, I started writing, believe it or not, I started writing fiction in 1970, um, adventure stories about a character called Greg Stewart. It was a bit like Mannix on television. Right. And like back in those days, um, there were no computer games around to distract. And so you had to make your own entertainment. And I didn't particularly like writing essays at school, but for some reason I enjoyed creating, creating stories. And I just kept writing, and it wasn't like homework. I didn't have to correct it, so I just kept writing. I just had this urge to create and write, and that's kind of what gave me the bug. And I went to university in 1976 in Maynooth, and I joined the local drama group, or joined the drama group in the the university. And then when I came back to Rathone, uh, in 1980, uh, I joined the local drama group there and then started writing short comedy sketches for their annual variety concert. And that's kind of where the comedy started. I never thought I could write comedy. I never thought I was particularly funny, but that's where it started. So, Jimmy, um, you say you weren't a great one for writing the essays or you didn't particularly enjoy them, and I can relate uh, to that. It's just, I guess, it oftentimes takes something to find what is the creative genius in any of us or whatever it is that turns us on. Um, well, uh, like television, I suppose, is seen as kind of couch potato type of thing, yeah. and comics um, would be frowned on. But they fired my imagination. Like, whatever creativity was there, they fired it up. And I was hopeless at sport. So uh, writing plays or writing uh, these stories was something I enjoyed doing. It was kind of a little retreat where I could go at night and, and write. I had a routine. I wrote four pages of a copybook at night. And I wrote those stories like for for six years. So I think there's uh, about seventy four copy books full of 
full of stories. Right. Um, and Jimmy, where, where, where did you go to secondary school? Uh, Christian Brothers in Mullingar, right, uh, St Mary CBS. Right, because like when I was at secondary school, we used to have the operetta uh, at every year, and I guess at secondary school level, it got us interested in drama of one form or another. Did you have any of that? No, no. Um, it was totally my own thing. Um, so that, like, there was there was no outlet for drama at at school at secondary school. It was only when I went to university that I acted in a couple of plays. Right. And then, as I say, when I went back then to Rathaw and joined the drama group there and was in their annual production and then started writing sketches for their, their uh, concerts. Now, uh, at this stage then, how many full three-act plays would you have under your belt? Now, at this stage? Yeah. Uh, 23. I'm just working on my 23rd now. Um which is quite funny because when I wrote the first three-act play, The Maiden Aunt, I didn't think I had any more plays in me. I thought that was it. And I seem to average kind of one a year since 1999. And um, I, it's something I enjoy. I enjoy creating. I enjoy I enjoy writing. I do, I'm a, like, I'd be a serious person myself, but um, I don't know. My, com- my comic side seems to come out when I in front of a laptop and, and start right. you know, so, keep on that given that like the difference between 1970 and 1997 which is your writing your detective stories and your first one yeah. play mm-hmm. um, writing fiction is a totally different discipline I would imagine than trying to put on paper a, a play because in a play you're actually positioning the people on stage and how they interact in a different way than you would in uh, uh, in prose, so well, uh, prose is 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 a well. It's not something I suppose that I'd be comfortable. I mean, I enjoyed writing the stories when I was writing them, but I I sort of always imagined that in my own head that someday they'd be televised, that they'd be made into television programs. Writing the plays, I'm kind of with the characters as I'm as I'm writing the play. It's kind of like I'm sitting there watching them and kind of relating what they're saying and doing. Um, Like when I'm writing a play, I kind of start off with, I suppose, the bones of a story in my head, Uh, but I don't plot it like from, you know, religiously from beginning to end. I wouldn't just be able to do that because that's kind of too cold and analytical. So I pick a starting point and I bring two or three characters together and I start writing dialogue for them, and I bring the audience kind of up to date with what's been happening before the play opens, and then continue on. And when I'm writing, like, I have to be each character, so I have to get to know the eight or nine characters in each play, and it's like playing table tennis with yourself, because you're seeing a line and then the other person is answering it, and and that's how I just build. I write about two pages a day, maybe, um, and rewrite it, and... I find that, like, for two pages kind of concentrated, I, that's about as much as I can be funny for at a time. And that's how I build the story, build the play over a couple of months, very slowly. Right. So, uh, so when you, you need say, a lot of patience. Right. So when you say, like, you build your characters, um, where are you drawing from? And uh, given that you, you, you base a lot of your scene uh, on rural Ireland, are these 
um, composites of people that... Um Some of them would be people I've met, um, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't just draw a character verbatim. Um, you use it kind of as a launching pad. You bring maybe facets of that character and then add elements to it. Um, well, like the character of Hazel in The Two Loves of Gabriel Foley, um, when, when, when she was coming through the door the first time onto the stage, I was imagining a lady that I had known a number of years ago, um, a neighbour, um, somebody who was kind of a strident character, who was a forceful character. And so... I, it was this person I saw in my head as I was writing the character, but then there were other elements of the character that had nothing to do with the person I knew. Uh, so that, that's how that's how I work. Right, because in your neck of the woods, as far as I recall, if you paint a picture too accurately, um, Brinsley McNamara had a previous experience. He had, the Valley of the Squinted <laughs> Windows. Um, I but think he ended up as a... I, I was in the writer's um, group or workshop um, with a playwright called Neil Donnelly, and he said, like, people never recognise themselves in a play. Like, uh, uh, so, I mean, anyone that I base on, that I use in a play, I change it so much, like I change their occupation or I change, you know, different elements that nobody would ever recognise who I'm writing about. Right, right, right. So, um, when you get to the um, closing curtain, in the writing and it gets to the next phase for a playwright what is the next phase how do you then get your play from paper to stage well back in the day now when I started first it was very rough and ready I mean it involved buying different newspapers from around the country and looking up the local notes and finding about different drama groups and usually trying to find a secretary's name or a phone number and then ringing them up and saying, my name is Jimmy Keary, I have a play, would you like to read it? And literally, um, in those days, like I didn't have a computer, it was just a, a typewriter, an electric typewriter, so you'd have to get the pages photocopied, uh, put them together, send them off, usually at your own expense, the play, you'd probably never see it again, but you had to make those sacrifices you know, to get where I am now, like it was a slow, very slow uh, slog. But like, once your play is out there, and people start to see it, then they they kind of see, well, that might be suitable for my group, or it might be suitable for someone else's group that I know. Um, so at this stage, like I have a website, I've had a website now since 2010. And so up until 2010, I was, going to, I was going to people, ringing them up, cold calls, saying, would you like to read my play? But since I got the website, um, people come to me now looking for plays, which is, which is much better um, for me. Like, right. But, it, you know, I needed to start off very slowly because nobody had ever heard of me. So um, I had to build up a reputation, and that takes time. It yeah. doesn't happen overnight. Um, I'm surprised, actually, looking back on it, that I've had kind of what you'd call stickability. That um, you know, that it was such a long process to get to where I am now. I mean, I think last year there were nearly 40 productions of my plays around Ireland. Um, to start off, like from maybe one a year back in 1999, 2000. 
um, I've come a long way, and I'm, you know, I, I, I suppose I get emotional about it sometimes, thinking back how far I have come um, in those years. But Jimmy, I'm conscious that in your neck of the woods, there was a writer um, put out her first book last year, Anne Griffin. Right. And it got to um, the point of being in the top ten, if not one of the top two or three books in Ireland last year. And Mm -hmm. unlike, (coughs) again, literature and and, uh, fiction, you know, there's a process where a a writer can write a, a book and get it to a publisher and... People read books, but people don't read plays. So I, I, in hearing what I just heard from you, what you had to do in order to establish yourself is fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and for somebody again like Anne Griffin, and I've read the book and I've talked to Anne, the um, <coughs> to be able to take something, put it on paper, get it into print, and get mass distribution. Um, so. I won't say so easily, but relatively easily, uh, is such a different process than it has been for you. So mm-hmm. when you say now that you have the number of plays in production that, ha- that have been, um, again, for literature or for fiction, the r- financial rewards uh, are probably very tangible. For something what, like what you do, which has a limited audience in many ways, um, are there financial rewards? Well, I mean... The thing with amateur productions is they don't last very long. I mean, four or five nights at a time, really, is the maximum run. Um, You'd need to be having a play in the Abbey or Gaiety or something that would run for weeks, um, you know, to be a good, to get a good living from it. But, I mean, I get by, but the the problem is, like, that when the the play season kind of stops in late April or May, and then it's very quiet then for the summer months, and... I have tried to get into maybe talking to writers' groups or giving workshops or that, but it's a slow, it's a very slow process. Um, and uh, you know, and I, I don't have an agent. And the reason, the reason I don't have an agent is um, I was caring for my mother for many years, and when you're a carer, you get very isolated, and oftentimes the only phone calls you'd get or the only people you'd talk to would be people inquiring about plays. So that's why I kept kind of the plays in my own hands, as it were, that I didn't look for an agent because I valued the human contact. And as well as that, just the plays were a great source of... um, I was going to say encouragement, but that's not the right word... Uh, like when I was caring for Mammy, it was nice to have somewhere to switch off and go to somewhere else, even in your head, like right. to plot a play or to you know to write a play. Um, Mammy had Alzheimer's, so it was it was difficult. Like she, you know, she she wasn't that bad with it, but like she wasn't the same mother I knew, will say, maybe five or ten years before that. And so it was difficult, like because it was just the two of us, and. I only had maybe two hours home help a week, so the playwriting came. You know, was a dif- it was a different sort of help to me at that time. It was it so it was, was nearly uh, it was nearly occupational therapy. In yeah, the it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, well, many people would it suggested to many people that they write a journal. In a way, this would have been your journal. It would. Yeah. I mean, even when I was caring for Mammy, I still managed to write a few pages every day and to be funny. So um, it was a great help, and as you say, a therapy for kind of what was going on. And then Mammy went into a nursing home 
in 2014 and then she passed away in 2017. So, um, you know, it's kind of, if you look kind of from, from when I started 50 years ago, my writing has kind of charted my life. Um, it's been a backdrop to my whole life, really. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. It does indeed. It does. You know so, so, Jimmy, if we talk about um, the two loves of Gabriel Foley, that's uh, about to uh, uh, right. put on stage in Prince Edward Island down in Charlottetown. Um, give us a little bit of the story here. Right. Well, it's about a bachelor farmer looking after his elderly mother. Now, um, then a local woman um, has her eye on him, but he only has eyes for a lady called Hazel, whom he's met uh, in the local drama group that he's joined. Uh, but Hazel has other plans, um, has plans for his land and plans for his mother. So by the time he realises that, then, um, it, you know, she may have her clutches too far into him. So that's the story, basically. That's the two loves. He's caught between this lady next door and this other lady called Hazel. Right. And it's, I wrote the play first in 2010, and... It's probably, I suppose, my most popular of all the 23 plays. Um, audiences love it, and drama groups seem to love performing it. And I'll just tell you a, a brief little story. A few years ago, it was staged in the Lord Theatre in Ennis, and an elderly lady who'd seen it went to her doctor for something, and she spent so much time telling the doctor about the play and what it was about that she left the surgery without telling him what was wrong with her. And the doctor told that story himself. So I, I often tell that story, um, which kind of sums up the play and the kind of feel good, how, you know, how good people feel after seeing it. Um, a technical question, I suppose. Jimmy, after you see the first performance of one of your plays, do you ever feel you have to go back to the drawing board and make a few edits? I do. Certainly do. Uh, like the first play I wrote, the first three act was called The Maiden Aunt. And even yet... Uh, seeing a production of it, you'd see a line that maybe didn't work, or you know. Uh, so yeah, I do. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So, so your work is not quite cast in stone. No, no right. lines. Lines change. Right. Um, a line you thought sounded good a couple of years ago mightn't just seem the same nowadays. Um, comedy is all about timing. Yes. And so, if a line has too many words or whatever. It doesn't work. So I suppose I'm constantly looking for perfection, um, if you can understand that. I can. Um, I can. And, yeah. and I do say it is a moving, tar it is a moving target. Yeah. Uh, because, again, unlike, uh, I guess, um, the classics are unlike drama. Uh, yeah, uh, humor changes um, very much so in time. Yeah, and so, like... When I'm working on the new play now and I have it finished, like it's a completed work, but I suppose finished is probably the wrong word because I'll go back to it maybe in a few weeks now and I'll reread every page again aloud and then I'll change lines that I don't think work. And then I'll try and get a group of people together and hear what it sounds like read aloud and then make further changes. So that that's kind of the ongoing process. And then, given again that it's comedy, um, would it be that, like, John B. Keane has a lot of, it's very much comedy, but does comedy date? 
uh, to the extent that what may have been relevant 25 years ago has lost its currency? Um, well, I suppose if you bring a lot of kind of political stuff or stuff that's happening in the outside world into the play, then it dates it. Like if you you know if you're if you're attaching it to a particular event, then it does date it. But I think love will always be love, and people will always be, you know, uh, in love triangles and different situations, unrequited love or whatever. So. I think those elements are universal, and I think they're timeless as well. Right, right. Um, so, just to wrap up, uh, Jimmy, what we should say is, of course, The Two Loves of Gabriel Foley has uh, been uh, staged or uh, sponsored by the Benevolent Irish Society of Prince Edward That's Island. right, yes. And uh, the opening night, March 5th. Um, That's right. And it's running up until March 5th, 6th. 7th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and it is being, uh, oh, it's, uh, I'm looking here for the address of, it's probably in Charlottetown, I see the right, 582 yes. North River Road, it's being staged, and uh, tickets for that, if you do a search for the Benevolent Irish Society of PEI, you'll find all the details there. Um, Jimmy, it has been fascinating chatting with you. Uh, thank you, it, thank and, you, Austin. And it's been very interesting indeed, and um, continued success with the plays. And I uh, hope at some stage that I actually get to sit in the audience for one of them and appreciate Please your, God. your I'll just give the name of my website, maybe, if oh, I may, just before and, I go. And, and, uh, uh, go on ahead. www.jimmykeery.ie And that's K-E-A-R-Y. That's it. Indeed. Jimmy, thanks a million for chatting. Thanks, Austin.